0: Hey nerds, welcome to episode 459 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. Just Adam today. Uh, today's interview is a conversation I had with Kaylin Bayron, who is a debut author. Uh, her book comes out tomorrow if you're listening to this uh, Monday, July 6th. It's called Cinderella is Dead. It's a really, really fascinating and interesting uh, kind of dark reimagining of Cinderella, although that's not even really true. It's more like an extension of the story. Um, It's set 200 years after the fairy tale of Cinderella Cinderella as we know it, but it's also within the world where Cinderella is a story that is very important to uh, everything that happens. So we get into a long conversation of, you know, why we think dark fairy tales are so fascinating and why people are, you know, reimagining them a lot now and, and how fun they are. Um, we also talk about being the child of uh, a military family and how that affected her life and her writing. And um, yeah, it was just a really, really fun conversation. We also got into a bunch of Broadway talk, of course, talked Hamilton because we did this interview on uh, Thursday. So it was right before Hamilton came out this weekend and everyone kind of you know, spent their weekend, I assume, watching Hamilton as frequently as I did. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, she was just a blast to talk to. you. She had a really, like, unique upbringing. She's been all over the country, um, lived in Alaska, and so it was just it was a good conversation. She's a really fun person. It was really great to meet her. Um, I think you guys are very much going to enjoy it. If you want to get a hold of us, you can always go to professionalbooknerds dot com. Uh, there, you can obviously subscribe to the podcast, but you can also uh, find our email professionalbooknerds at overdrive dot uh, you can also find, if you scroll down a little bit on our website, there is a bunch of different photos and put up two really cool bingo cards that uh, Jill made. You know, a lot of people are doing like the Instagram and Twitter bingo things lately. Uh, she made one with anti racism reads that we put together lists for, and then also one for just diverse reading lists. So um, we've seen a couple people, you know, a bunch of people actually use those over the past weekend and uh it's been really cool to see people say you know they've got they've got work to do and they're going to be finding some additional diverse authors for themselves you know BIPOC and black voices to uh increase their reading so take a look at those if you're on professional um there's a lot of good information on those also if you are relatively new to the podcast you can just use the search bar at the top of our website and see who we've we've uh, interviewed if you search for a book or an author or even a genre all the uh Episodes that feature those people will come up. So, um, I realize we don't really talk about how to use our website very often, but it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. And I think that's just about all the housekeeping. Uh, if you want a professional book nerds t shirt or any Libby or Sora stuff from Overdrive, uh, you can go to shop.overdrive.com. We've got a couple cool professional book nerds t shirts there. And um, if you buy anything, feel free to tag us, but anything that you do purchase 100% of the profits are going to go to a library charity, so can do some good. Um, Okay, I think that's just about everything. I'm not going to keep you any longer. I really, really had a lot of fun with this conversation, so I hope you guys do as well. And I hope you enjoy this interview with Kaylin Bayron, author of Cinderella is Dead, on the Professional Book Nerds podcast.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Adam, and I'm super, super excited today to tell you that I am joined by Kaylin Bayron, who is the debut author of Cinderella is Dead, which is just a incredibly fun and fantastic uh, retelling, reimagining, as you could probably imagine, of Cinderella, which is right in the title right there. It's good SEO branding. Uh, she is both <laughs> an author and a classically trained vocalist. She grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, which I'm going to ask about. And um, just the book is so, so fantastic. We're going to get all up into it. So first off, Kaylin, thank you for joining me today.
2: Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. So as I told you before, we kind of started recording. We always love having our authors sort of kick off our conversation by introducing our listeners to the book. So do you want to kind of introduce Cinderella is Dead to everybody?
2: Sure. Um, So Cinderella is Dead is a YA fantasy, and it is the story of... 16-year-old Sophia Grimmins, and she is a young girl living in the kingdom of Marseille. And this is the place where Cinderella lived and died 200 years before. Um, Cinderella's story has kind of become the backbone of this society, and young women are expected to kind of follow in her footsteps. Um, They have to attend a ball every year that's now mandatory Um, And it's a three strikes and you're out kind of thing. You have to find a suitor by your third year or you become a forfeit. And um, so my main character, Sophia, is preparing to go to her first ball. uh, But she is in love with her best friend, Aaron, And um, she doesn't want any parts of what's going on. Uh, So when she gets to the ball, that's kind of a big turning point for her. And she makes some decisions that put her on a collision course with Merseys ruler, and she uncovers some really um, earth shattering secrets about uh, the king, about Cinderella, about the fairy godmother, and um, just the society as a whole that she lives in. So um, it's really a story about kind of raising your voice and telling the whole truth when it comes to our histories and um it's also about telling queer black girls that they are enough just as they are
1: what i really love is i am also very much a fairy tale retelling and especially dark fairy tale retelling uh person i'm very much in that court with you but i love what you did where it's not i don't even want to say it's a, it's a retelling because it's not right it's, an extension sort of a thing. So what what made you wanna take this obviously, you know, maybe even the best known fairy tale, I would argue, Mm -hmm. like and and turn it on its head like this? What made you wanna create that story structure?
2: Yeah, so Cinderella is um super visible, right? Like that's Cinderella's castle at Disney, what is it, Disney World, Disneyland, I don't know. Um, (laughs) I've never been to either, so I don't know. But I just know that that's, like, even as somebody who's never been there, I know that's her castle, you know? Mm -hmm. It's kind of, like, hyper-visible, and it's, that's the reason I chose it, is because it's kind of instantly recognizable, but I wanted to do it in a way that kind of opened the story up to people that maybe, it you know, it wasn't accessible to before. There are, there are no Black folks in Cinderella, there are no queer folks in Cinderella. Now there have been other kind of retellings reimaginings. Um, There was, you know, the version with Brandy that was on TV and Whitney (laughs) Houston was the fairy godmother. So yeah, we're doing like a a watch party for that later next week. So but yeah, but so you know, there are those kinds of things. But I really, um, you know, I I wanted to approach it from the angle of um, so wicked happens to be my favorite retelling Mm -hmm. um and because it kind of shifts the focus from dorothy to the wicked witch that's kind of what i wanted to do here i wanted to focus on these villainous women um that this story kind of uses as a prop and that was kind of where i started thinking about the retelling Um, i wanted to do it from a completely different angle and um and so it's, it's more about kind of kind of making this world accessible to people like me who didn't really have, like, I didn't see myself reflected in fairy tales. Um, as a kid, I am 36. And so, you know, kind of coming up in the late eighties and the nineties, it's like, I didn't, I didn't have a princess, a Disney princess that looked like me. Um, Tiana, princess, Tiana, princess and the frog that didn't come out till I was almost 30. Like that was, you know, just, so I didn't have that. So I wanted that too. So I, it's kind of a, kind of a, a combination of all those different factors.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, we're in the same, so we are right about the same age and um, laughing when you mentioned the brandy Cinderella, cause a, not only did I do I remember that vividly, but then um, my high school, we, I went to a really small high school. So like, even if you were an athlete, you could also be in the drama club and things like that. We did Cinderella mm-hmm. my senior year we would always do a musical and a play and we did Cinderella but we did the music from the one with Brandy as opposed to like the traditional like we had a really okay cool <laughs> we had a really cool <laughs> drama producer who was like we're gonna do Cinderella and everyone like kind of groaned and she's like no 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 we're gonna do like the one that was just on television Brandy <laughs> and Jason Alexander. Oh
2: yeah that's fabulous yeah.
1: yeah. Um, do you think that having an origin story that people are so familiar with really lets you play with like storytelling structure and the way because you when this isn't a spoiler like when you start the story starts off very much like in the middle of a, I don't know what to call it a romance but like it, it starts in the middle of action and like it's a world that is brand new but understood like do you think having that origin story was freeing or, or was it restricting in some aspects
2: um you know I I have found that um you know, in the retellings that I love, I like to see those kind of markers that show me, you know, parts of the original tale. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I wanted to, to kind of start this story right in the middle, you know, right in the middle of something to kind of illustrate how, you know, the kind of the, the detrimental effect that this The Cinderella story that we all know that is still intact within Cinderella is dead. It's, you know, it's there as this kind Mm -hmm. of very, it's like a sacred text almost uh, to this society. So it still exists there. And I wanted to show just right out of the gate, how, how hard the the effects of that story, how, how hard it is to kind of navigate that when you're not the target audience when you're not when you don't fit nicely into this box that society has kind of created for you um so uh so yeah I mean I I think that it's it's a little of both I get to kind of play with the with the origin story and rethink how it you know how it goes but I also want like I also my goal is to kind of have people go back and look at the the cinderella story and be like oh like nev- like i don't ever want you to look at the story the same way again mm-hmm. um you know because that's what happened to me with wicked it's like now i can't kind of look at wizard of oz the same way anymore mm-hmm. so that's that's the effect i was going for
1: um yeah gregory Maguire he actually did you ever read this is apropos not part of our <laughs> conversation but um did you ever read his nutcracker book um i'm trying to I it's like somewhere no. behind me somewhere down here uh it's called Hidency or hidden See. and it's oh, the no. same thing he did the same thing with um like he took the story of the nutcracker like the the mouse king and or whatever the Rat, king, whatever it's like that traditional uh ballet production of mm-hmm. the nutcracker and he basically produced the same thing like a background story of how that nutcracker can it's very he's yeah yeah I, yeah, yeah I
2: love it yeah i love it
1: um, especially during Christmas time, like a perfect Christmas to read. Yeah. Okay. So back to the actual conversation, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this will happen a lot. I get, I get sidetracked. Um, you know, I, I love you. You do highlight in the book, all of the less than great aspects of like, all that matters is getting the Prince type of a thing. I'm throwing up air quotes here <laughs> in a society. Um, but I mean, to devote like so much of your time and and care to this story, like I had to imagine, there's there's aspects of this and other fairy tales that you do find joy in, right? I don't think like a masochism yeah. becomes a writing yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Um, I think you know, I, you know, there's this whole conversation around you know, uh, kids wanting to be princesses, and is that like the only choice? Then that's blah blah blah. But I I love princess stories. I love you know. I I think you know um, as a kid that I really, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be a princess and I don't Mm -hmm. think there's, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that and wanting to kind of see yourself as a princess. I think that's fun. I think that's, um, I think that's great. And so for me, there is, there is a lot of nostalgia kind of connected with, you know, uh, Disney princesses. And Mm -hmm. I'm also, you know, I also studied music, so I love, you know, I love the songs and I love you know, all of those different parts of it. So I, so yeah, there's still a lot of, a lot of uh, joy connected to this, to this story um, for me, but I think um, it's kind of hand in hand with my just kind of wanting to see myself reflected there. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I love this story so much. Why can't, you know, where's the person that looks like me or where's the person that, you know, feels like I feel. So, um, so yeah, so it's kind of, it's kind of, um the nostalgia and then also the you know wanting better kind of representation those two things i think are just linked um for me with this story
1: yeah I, and i think a couple of things one you mentioned the nostalgia like i that hits me right in the heart too i this literally this morning i started my day with having a conversation with a coworker on slack and they sent me disney posted like the the parks, same thing. I can't, I've been to the parks, so we just live a million years, but they posted the, at the end of every night, they do this like insane fireworks thing and on Cinderella's castle and they do the like 3D visual projections on the castle so that I can tell stories like visually. I'm doing a lot of hand talking and people can't. <laughs> yeah. Great. But yeah. it's like right in the nostalgia. Like she sent it to me and it was like 20 minutes long and I like wasted 20 minutes of my morning watching a fireworks show because of all the songs. Yeah. And these, these little characters pull up, pull yeah. up and it's like, the you know the Disneyfied the Disney-fied versions of all these fairy tales are what we were brought up on, but I mean the the actual ones are extremely dark and getting to yeah getting to use those like does it feel freeing to be able to take a story that is very like it, there's obviously darkness to the Cinderella even like the Disney one, but there's so much more darkness in the actual origin stories. Like, does it feel when you're writing, to be like, I can kind of mess up with, I can mess these people up because that's sort of like canon. It's how these things work.
2: Yeah, I I feel like those those earlier versions really um really are you know some of them are really gruesome and even mm-hmm. Cinderella with you know the stepsisters cutting off pieces of cutting their, their feet, feet to fit yeah. in the shoe and and there's you know and there's not um there are earlier versions where there is no fairy godmother. It's more just kind of a you know like a magical. Tree and birds Mm -hmm. and things like that, and so you know, I've kind of played with that a little bit too, but yeah, I think it's um, I think it's fun to kind of dig deeper. You know, I love a good hidden history, so it's kind of like Mm -hmm. those, all of those earlier versions contributed to what we know now. We just you know, going back and kind of reading them, if you see the progression of how the story has evolved, and um, but you know, I. I just, I think the, um, I think the, the story is just so, so important to a lot of people. So there's Mm -hmm. also kind of a pushback sometimes, you know, Cinderella, we love Cinderella. Don't mess with that story. Don't, you know, don't do something else. And it's kind of, you know, I, I do get some pushback there, but I think it's, I think it's important to, to be able to have you know, lots of different choices and lots of Mm -hmm. different versions of things and other people are doing it all the time. So I, you know, I, I'm gonna do it too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, and I think that's like, honestly, with a lot of conversations going on in our society right now about like, I think it's exactly what you said. It's, there's so many people who like, admittedly look like me, like white people who see a story like yours. It's called Cinderella's dad. There's this beautiful black person on the cover. First of all, the covers is, I know you have nothing to do with like the cover design final. Yeah,
2: I I well, I I got um I got a little bit of say. Um Bloomsbury oh, no. came to me and asked me. They were like, "What do you what do you want? And I was like, it's got to be Sophia. That's my main character Um, on the cover, uh, a brown skinned black girl with her Mm -hmm. natural hair out. I was like, please, please give it to me. And they, and they did. So I, I love them for that. Yeah.
1: And so like, I know that there will be people who will see that and I'm sure that in the little pockets of our country that, you know, are just have never had any diverse conversations or anything where (laughs) they'll see that and they'll be like, that's not my Cinderella. And they'll, they'll get pissed about it. Like, the important thing is exactly what you said it's like you writing this story and reimagining it so that you see yourself in it and so maybe a young girl who is black or brown sees it as they're coming up and they realize like I could be a part of this story it doesn't it doesn't make the original Cinderella any less than it's there's room right. for every single version of these stories
2: right right and the you know the um the original Air quote original um, <laughs> story of Cinderella. I think most people are thinking about the Disney version, and that's not even the original story mm-hmm. either. So it's you know storytelling is fluid. It's ever changing. It's evolving. You know all the time. It's constantly changing. And you know I think it 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 does kind of speak to who is allowed to retell these stories. Who is allowed to have access to changing mm-hmm. these stories? I think that's you know another kind of running commentary that that's happening. But, um, but, you know, it's important. It's important for representation. Also, you know, um, so I have this, you know, this um, black girl, but it's also a queer black girl. And so those Mm -hmm. intersections, those intersections of, you know, race and sexuality, um, those are, those are really important too, because sometimes we get, you know, we'll get a black character, but they can only be one thing. Like, it's like, (laughs) yeah, too many marginalizations it's just like too much but that's you know that's changing and so I'm I'm happy to be able to contribute something to that
1: mm-hmm. so I I saw in your in your bio that you said you used to write a little bit of fan fiction and short stories you described yeah. as hot hot garbage just the yes best,
2: hot garbage best description yes. <laughs>
1: um but when you were writing those like were you ever doing fan fictions and like retellings of these types of stories or did you sort of see over the past I mean it's been over the past like five years or so that retellings have really kind of taken off like did you always think you wanted to do something like this or was it because of the fact that there seems to be like a, a definite hunger for these stories
2: um you know I'm I I think that so like the first I'm trying to think so the first really like retelling that I ever read was the, the what's it called the, the true story of the three little pigs. um yeah. Yes, of the that, Alfred.
1: Yes, the Alfred Wolf. I got to yes. interview that author, and it was like, oh the, my st- god, I yes, freaked out.
2: <laughs> oh my god, yes, that and the stinky cheese man and all it, like yes. The, yeah, okay, John so, Cheshka, Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yes. I got to, that was like I got to tell I like told my mom because she and I she was a teacher and like I grew up reading that like in her lap and I was like mom I'm interviewing the stinky cheese man guy like anyway yes. sorry I'm sorry, go ahead <laughs> no go, go, go. I love
2: it no I love it and I read that I got I think I got it at a at a book fair or something like it, you know and I I remember specifically reading that book and just being like what is this I love this like I was mm-hmm. obsessed with it and so um, just. Oh my God, I totally got off track. Where did my, where did my Uh, brain go? Um, So after uh, the, the, okay. Yeah. So, (laughs) sorry. Um, So my fan fiction um, originally was just kind of like self insert fan fiction. You know, I just wanted to see more black people in Mm -hmm. Harry Potter. I just wanted to see, you know, and, Mm -hmm. uh, won't speak too much about that but um like
1: you can we've kind of dunked on her a little bit you
2: know i just the only thing i i want to say you know that i think matters is that i love and support my trans fam and and that's it like Mm -hmm. it's 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 ride or die with them and i don't care about anything else that's all that matters to me so i just so that's all I'm going to say about it. But anyways, yeah, um, so yeah, but my fan fiction definitely, um, you know, was more just like, I want to see more people who look like me and my family and my friends and our, you know, the, the different, you know, all different kinds of people. And so that was what my fanfiction about. And it was never really meant to be like, I never really thought that I would, I wasn't publishing it anywhere or doing anything like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. you know, but um, but and so and then retellings, you know, there was that show um, Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched, a, you know, several episodes of that um, when it first came out. And I was just, you know, I was just like, this is, this is something I could do that would kind of pull all of these threads of things that I love together. So it was more just like, you know, just kind of it felt like a perfect storm of 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 events. So it wasn't, I didn't really set out to, to say, you know, I'm going to write this retelling and it's, mm-hmm. you know, that seems to be what's, what's, um, what's good right now. But um, it worked out that way. And mm-hmm. um, I'm really glad that it did.
1: Yeah, I do feel like there's, um, like Jill and I, my co-host, we joke around all the time. There's another reading podcast called reading glasses who were like really close friends with and they have this thing called wheelhouses where like people will will write in and be like my wheelhouse is you know like badass female pirates or whatever you know whatever it is and they just go through it's like that thing where if you tell me like a brief sentence about what a story is i'm in and like and for mine like lady pirates absolutely fairy tale retellings yes and i feel like there's so many people that do see like there there is that excitement like you mentioned wicked And then there's um, all the, I think the Cinder Chronicles or yes, uh, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, like the Lunar Chronicles, like Mm -hmm. all those types of books. um, We had a a couple authors last year, ironically, who both did Beauty and the Beast retellings last year, and it's like, yeah, a heart um, so fierce and broken. mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, Um, yeah. That's a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Yeah, those. But there's
1: there's an excitement to be like, okay how are you going to take this story that I know so well and kind of turn on its ear or play with the structure? Like You said even just something as simple as being like, how do those evil people get to be evil? Like, there's a reason Maleficent the movie made like a billion dollars. Like, yes, I love that one stories. too.
2: Yeah, and I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it's also kind of interesting to look at, you know, people that we think of as, as villains and see that once you know the whole story, it's really not that they're villains it's just Mm -hmm. that they've been like horribly mistreated and need you know and you know and they are acting out so it's not you know I think there's more of an understanding um you know for those people and and because women get cast as the villains so often in these in these fairy tales um Mm -hmm. I think it's I think it's needed and um I think it's just a whole new a, a new an expanding of you know this already established universe but we can do you know we can do so much and it has the potential to do so much more so um so yeah i love it
1: yeah the only um returning to a world that i'm not supportive of is the hunger games one where like there's that prequel that came out with president yeah, snow nope I don't
2: we like don't need their- his we don't need it <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly i was like there's hamish there's like a million other characters that you could be like tell me where they came from i don't need you dude was Horrible. I don't need you to tell me that he might die yeah. at once. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So I can't not ask this. How does someone who was born in Kansas end up in Anchorage, Alaska? Oh my God. The military. Like okay. Yeah,
2: my, my parents were military. My dad was military. Um, yeah, and Anchorage, I don't but I don't know like why Anchorage happened to be the place that we just stayed Mm -hmm. but that's (laughs) it's like oh we're here so yeah we're gonna say so um yeah uh Anchorage is beautiful and I you know that's my hometown and I still have family there and that's great and (laughs) but it's like a nice place to visit now yeah so If you love skiing and outdoor stuff and aren't scared of moose, um, Anchorage is the place to be. So
1: moose are are huge.
2: You know, it's so funny because people, okay, this is like, not, but whatever. It's like people, people, people think that they're like horses. And I'm like, no, it's like two horses. It's like, they're huge and they don't, they're not scared of people and they will stomp the yard on you if you come close to them so it's they're scary
1: <laughs> I have um I had a friend who went to college in Maine to play basketball and I guess there's moose there which mm-hmm. I did not know and he sent me a video I will never forget it he put like a salt lick or a sugar cube or something on his windowsill and he's like look at this and it was a moose that came up and like ate it and I was like wow that's crazy and he was like I'm on the second floor of this building like I lost my mind they yeah are- <laughs>
2: So scary. Yeah. If, you sit, if you stop and think about that, it's so scary. And they're
1: fast. Yeah. So where are you? Like, are. are you? Where are you at now? Like, are you? San
2: Antonio, Texas. Oh, okay.
1: Oof. Yeah. You just went like 180.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I. So I met my partner in Anchorage, and then mm-hmm. we started moving around because they're military too. Mm-hmm. So we went from Anchorage to Georgia. That was mm-hmm. the first, and that was really the first time that I'd you know, for an extended period of time. Well, I lived in Portland for like a while when I was a kid, but um, we went to Georgia and we got there in the middle of the summer. <clears throat> it was like 105 degrees. And I was like, mm-hmm. we got to go back. We got to go back to Alaska. I can't do this. So, so it's, um, Texas is great. I like the weather, yeah.
1: um, lots of good food. So it- yeah. Georgia is at Fort Ray. <clears throat>
2: Fort, um, Fort, I was going to say Carson, but that is Colorado. Fort Gordon. There yeah, we go. Okay. Yes. Yeah.
1: One of my um, older roommates is uh, Army Lifer, and, like, he went to ROTC, yeah. and now he's uh, um, pretty high up, actually. And, like, same thing. Like, he, he, he's, he hasn't been to Anchorage yet, but, like, he's been in San Antonio. He yeah. Lived in <laughs> he's probably, like, following your path. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you think that, actually, along those lines, like, do you think that growing up in a military family – has any impact on the way that you write stories?
2: Um, You know, I I think what the military has kind of afforded me and my family is just, you know, the experience of kind of moving around, of talking to different people, of seeing that no matter where I go, there are people who are like me who are looking for you know better representation and you know I have kids and so I I um you know I meet a lot of other parents who are also looking for better stories for their kids and mm-hmm. so I think I think what what it's given me the tie there is just kind of you know getting to see that this is a it's not just it's not just me who wants mm-hmm. these kinds of stories it's kind of a wider you know it's a wider swath of people who just need better rep for themselves for their kids um and so so yeah so that's that's what that's given me
1: Mm -hmm. uh i also saw on your your profile that you're a big theater person as well and so first off one you have you mentioned a thing about hamilton but we'll all be able to see it literally tomorrow we're recording this on thursday
2: yes i am going to lose my mind Mm -hmm. my whole mind and i've already warned my family I was like don't give me a hard time I'm gonna sing I'm gonna cry like yeah. just leave me alone <laughs> yeah. And let me experience this
1: so we're in Cleveland and we are like a, a very random fact about Cleveland is we have outside of Broadway we have the largest theater district in the country like it's Broadway. And then we have a bigger theater district than even Chicago. Like it's crazy. We, so serious. Yeah. So we get all of these touring shows. So our, our theater district is called Playhouse square. And so we have um, a big group of our friends and I have uh, season tickets. Obviously there's nothing going on now, but so we get everything that's big from like the two years prior when they go on the national tours, they Mm -hmm. come to Cleveland. So I will say I have seen Hamilton, obviously not, oh. <laughs> not like with Lynn and, you know, David yeah. and but I've seen it, but I'm right. I haven't seen Haiti Sound, which I saw that you said. Oh, it.
2: yes. I'm such a, oh, I just, I can't wait. I, yeah. I have so many things on my like bucket list. I have to go and see like all of these things. Yeah. I just, I can't wait.
1: Yeah. Um. So did you grow up loving musical theater? I did. I did.
2: I was stuck on... Annie and um what else oh my gosh just any and my mom took me to this is not like her parenting choices whatever but she took me to see Sweeney Todd when I was (laughs) very young and I love it but I, I mean I just like I was yeah I I had those that experience just as a very young child and just never like I never saw I just like I was obsessed with phantom of the opera in middle Mm -hmm. school like and people were like what what are you doing like why are you like this (laughs) but um yeah I love it I love it
1: oh man sweetie that is so the first one I ever saw was phantom and like we got we took a family trip to Toronto and it was like a really big deal and we were gonna like we saw it with like the original Toronto cast but I was like five or six And my mom will never let me forget this because I love musicals now. Like halfway through the first act, I looked up at her as like a little five or six-year-old and I was like, when are they going to stop singing? Because like I had no, (laughs) the whole thing is like I had no concept. Um, (laughs) Do you think that, I mean, other than obviously, like, you know, we talked about Cinderella and it being a musical, but have you, because you also have a musical background, like, have you had any desire to like write a musical or a story where you're putting the music in there as well?
2: I, I don't even think I, um, I don't think I could do it. I just, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, now do I want to be in a musical? Yes. Like Mm -hmm. sign me up. Let's do that. But yeah, I don't, I don't know, but you know, look, now you got me thinking like, maybe, Uh maybe that could be something.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Why not? Wicked
1: (laughs) Wicked was on, is on Broadway still. Yeah. Cinderella. There's, um, into the Woods. You, know, you mentioned the yes. three. Is it yes. says that in there? Listen, I'm telling you. At least you yeah. Have something to think about. <laughs> um, all right. So towards the end of our conversations, we always do what we call the nerd nine, which is just nine lighthearted questions. Um, I used to call them rapid fire. And then I would get on tangents. And, like we would have people email me like, please stop saying rapid fire. You're lying. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the first one is what's the last book you finished reading or what are you reading right now? I will accept either.
2: Um, I just finished a song below water, and uh, by Bethany C. Morrow, and um,
1: it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a favorite place to read?
2: Um, I anywhere I can go where it's fairly quiet, which is hard when you have kids. So yeah, like in the closet when nobody's looking, like just <laughs> wherever I can go to, to get some quiet
1: are they little ones?
2: Um, they are. So my youngest is eight, but my oldest daughter is about to be 20. So,
1: yeah. um,
2: yeah, so there, there's a, I have four kids, so mm-hmm. there's a range there.
1: Gotcha. That was, that was <laughs> us too. I'm the youngest of four. It was always chaos in our house. <laughs> um, what book, do you remember the book that kind of made you fall in love with reading?
2: Um, I think it was, It was probably a Nancy Drew book. Um, Mm -hmm. That is the first like full on kind of novel that I remember reading and it was The Hidden Staircase. And I
1: read every single other Nancy Drew book in existence after that. And I think I was
2: eight when I read (laughs) that. Yeah. Amazing.
1: Uh, What is one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to? Oh,
2: I would love to go to New Zealand. Mm -hmm. um my brother was just there over the holidays and he was there for like a month and he was like I don't even I don't want to come back and I was like well I gotta go check this out so I would Mm -hmm. definitely love to go there
1: plus I imagine of like any people you're probably very well accustomed to long trips like either on a plane or in a car like it sounds like you're like well adapted at that
2: yeah yeah we drove from Anchorage where we were at to Georgia eight days yeah so yikes yeah (laughs)
1: <laughs> Jeez, I was like crazy. I never
2: want to be in a car ever again <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate
2: um oh man I think New Year's is my favorite it just feels uh it just feels like a fresh start and um yeah I I'm definitely going to be looking forward to uh New Year's this time around so
1: <laughs> Let's throw this year in the trash yeah oh man <laughs> um coffee or tea coffee yeah
2: gotta have coffee <laughs> uh
1: cats or dogs dogs mm-hmm. you're in a safe space to say that so my yeah <laughs> well my so my co-host it has four cats now and i have two dogs so it's like it's it was a running joke and then one time when she was traveling for work i did a uh a book recommendation episode by myself and i just did dog books and didn't think anything of it we got more emails from people being like, <laughs> where are the cat books? And I was like, How dare. Don't. Yeah, so then she did she did a cat book one. And like our <laughs> our re, our listeners are kind of 50-50, but like I got so much sass and she got like only support and I was very oh sad. no. <laughs> um do you have a favorite food?
2: Um do I have a favorite food? Do I? I love French toast. I will eat French toast for breakfast, lunch and dinner. So yeah, it's not, it's not um, the healthiest choice, but yeah, th- that's my favorite.
1: delicious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, last one of these. If you could have dinner with one person alive or dead, who would you pick? Toni Morrison. So I, and yeah. listeners know this, I grew up in Tony Morrison's hometown of Lorain, Ohio.
2: Lorain, Ohio, yeah. Tiny,
1: <laughs> yeah. Our tiny little, that's like our one, like our claim to fame, Like we hold on to it for dear life. It's like, welcome to the international city. Uh, Tony Morrison was born here, please. Don't yeah. <laughs> um, okay, <clears throat> last question for you. What do you hope readers take away from reading Cinderella is Dead?
2: Um, I hope... A few things. I just I hope that um, I hope you feel seen if you if you haven't had a chance to see yourself reflected in a story like this before. um, And you, you see yourself in Sophia or Constance or any of the other characters. I hope you feel seen. I hope you feel um, kind of held and supported by the work. Um, And I also hope that even people who don't see themselves reflected um, can can appreciate, um, stories like this and seeing other people kind of take the lead and be the heroes in their own stories, because that's important too. So, um, I hope, you know, and, and it's, I think it's a fun, you know, uh, a fun read, um, as well. So I, I hope people enjoy it and see themselves and, and, um, you know, take something away. That's, that's more, uh, you know that's
1: more than just the story um, I hope you see yourself reflected I think that's perfect the book is so fun I as we talked about before I recording I'm sorry you don't get to do like a like a like a yeah on, doing everything <laughs> digital but everyone needs to go check it out it's so so much fun early congratulations and Kaylin thank you for joining me today
2: thank you so much for having me Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Bonjour.